Welcome to my second Searching for Truth podcast. This week we are exploring my skin colour and I. I could have called it me and my skin colour, but I made the conscious decision to go with my skin colour and I. That was purely based on the fact that as I did the interview, you know, even more stuff came up that I hadn't planned to come up, but I wasn't expecting it. And it was so obvious that my skin colour came first before me. I was kind of always that the more my skin colour became a problem for me, the more I just sank backwards, sank into the background, kind of lost myself. I have to say, right now, as we speak, and for a very long time, I have been extremely proud and loving of my colour. And that's because I've learned to, and learning still, to love myself on the inside. And when you do that, it really doesn't matter on the outside. But I didn't know this when I was growing up. So you do hear some of my story. But as always, it's always a pleasure to be able to bring a guest in as well to share theirs. This week, it is Carmen Craig. So without further ado, please sit back and relax and enjoy the second episode, Searching for Truth. This is My Skin Colour and I. joining me today Carmen Craig thank you it's my pleasure you've, you've been doing a lot of training and a lot of personal development over the last few years since I've known you you're a fabulous speaker you are a fabulous speaker you're one of these speakers that used to annoy me actually because I'd be there with my notes and all this stuff and like oh, got to remember that got to remember that and you'd just be like oh I don't even know what I'm going to talk about and then get up there and just do this most amazing <laughs> talk <laughs> You've, you've been on a journey with regards to fostering. You've touched on it. Fostering is definitely something that I'm going to be talking about in, um, in a podcast coming soon. Um, you've, you've, you've got many stories on that that I know you've spoken about. You are a speaker. You've also um, been doing a lot of work with hypnotherapy. You've been on many courses with hypnotherapy. And I know that's something that you want to do more of, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Reiki. Yeah. I've um, done Reiki. I had a friend, well, my friend that lives around the corner, she hasn't been well and she's getting kidney problems. And she came and she was like, oh, look at my back. I'm in so much pain. Can you see a lump? And, and just putting my hand, just having a look in that. And she went home and then she came back and she was like, because oh, she was going to find the ambulance. And by the time she got home, she said that the pain had gone. And I was like, seriously? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> did you do Reiki on me? And I was like, well, if I did, I wasn't <laughs> aware of it. <laughs> There's the power, you see. You don't even realise you've got the power. Just to sort of start this off. So for me, um, and I think for everyone, when we're born up to a certain age, colour, the colour of our skin is no thing at all. And my personal opinion is that that's how it should stay for the rest of your blooming life. <laughs> I don't think it should ever be a, a, a thing. Just like uh, dogs and cats. 
you know you don't see different colored dogs mixing together <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like and I, and I really feel for me uh growing up it was quite significant the color of my skin at quite an early age and um and I'm gonna I want to I'm in a moment I'm gonna hand over to you to share your experience but for me being uh the color that I am adopted in a white family um where everybody was 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 white even the village I think I mentioned this a little bit in my last last podcast um everyone except me um was 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 I was different to everyone and I can remember being dropped off at um a play school infant school and I think I was probably about three years old and I think that was the first time when I felt different. I, I, I don't know. It might, I, I, I remember feeling really, really upset that my mom had left me. I remember looking around for her. Like, where's she gone? You know, where is she? And, and, and feeling really, really lonely. And I mean, I don't know. Was I feeling also lonely and extra different lonely because did I first was that when I first realized everyone was different to me did I maybe feel that they were looking at me differently I really don't know because I was only so young but I carry that memory with me and I've always kind of associated that with the time of when I felt different um truth is I felt incredibly sad about the fact that I was different to everyone else because I think as you're growing up especially when you're a child and you just want to be um you just want to play you just want to be like everyone else and when they start when I started going to school and and the other children started pointing out my difference I felt really it felt really unfair why is it me why is it just me that has to deal with this um, I don't like to put racism into this because I think, and I've always said this, I could have been the only child there with ginger hair or nothing against ginger hair, but you know, anything that's different. I had, a, the colour of my skin was different to everyone else's. It could have been that something else, I had something else. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's racism at all because it's just kids and I was different. It was only when I got older when there was a particular adult that started being quite nasty to me, that's when I would bring racism into it. But I don't want to step that far ahead. I want to talk a little bit and introduce you and, and, and ask you the same question. Like when did you first know that you were different? Or I, I, just, I suppose in your home, you know, everyone was the same colour as you. So that for a start was different to, to my childhood. But when, when for you was it, did you, did you feel like, you know, the colour of your skin and not just Carmen? So, uh, I had two really sort of significant experiences as a young girl. The first one, I think I must have been around three because I definitely know I haven't started school. I'm not sure where we were living. But um, I was walking, I know the area was called King Standing, and it's a very, very, back in the day, 
it was, maybe still is, um, quite racist. And my mother was traveling through King Standing. We were going to visit somebody. And um, as we were walking um, down the road, there was a mother and her daughter walking up towards us. And I saw this little girl and she had blonde hair and I, I was just really sort of excited, you know, and, you, you know, where you sort of skip and you want to sort of say hello. That's the kind of memory that I have of that. And the next thing was this little girl clung to her mother's side, uh, her leg, and she was looking and she said, what are they? And I was like, just really taken aback because I knew that she was talking about me, my mother and my brother. There was nobody else on the road. And her mother grabbed her and sort of took her to the side and really held her closely and just sort of looked forward and just sort of marched away. And I can remember sort of looking around and thinking, what? You know, I just couldn't, what are they? And I knew it was to us mm. and I just didn't get it. I really didn't get it. I didn't know racism. So I wasn't even thinking about racism three. I didn't know if you, I didn't think about my collar because uh, I, I didn't know anything about collar. But I knew right there and then there was something different about me. Uh, and that's always stayed with me. And how old were you then, Carmen? I was around three, three and a half, because I know that I hadn't started school. I definitely hadn't started school. So you were going down there, you were seeing this other child. And I can, because I, I work with children that age, I can imagine you had a smile on your face because it's like, it's another child. Yeah. Yeah. And kids love to play. Yeah, and it was a really good day for me because we were going visiting whoever it was we were going to visit we were going visiting so it was a day out it may have been a Sunday you know so it was a nice day I was really happy inside and I can just imagine I don't know what dress I had on but I can just imagine it was one of those sort of dresses that sort of came out you know at the side sort of thing but um it was a really nice day for me you know I can almost see myself skipping along I was so happy and then that happened and the, the shock of it, it was, I was just really taken aback you know and then after that everything was fine I guess I never thought about it again sort of thing and then when I was about eight and a half nine I was at school and we lived in an all-white area so as I was growing up as a child, we always lived, to my memory, in a predominantly white area because it was in the 50s. Um, black people were just coming into the country. So, you know, and my brother and I, we were the only two black kids in this school. And we must have been there for about a year or so. And everybody was great. They were really nice had my best mates and my brother had his. We um, 
play on the, um, because it was after the war sort of thing. So we had what we used to call a bomb peck. So it was all the buildings that had been bombed and we used to play on them and things like that. And then there was this new family that moved into the area, came to the school. And he was a chubby little white boy. And we were all playing, tig tag, whatever it was. And then he, were, he goes, you're not going to be on our team. And I was like, uh, well, yeah, I am. I'm playing with you sort of thing. And he was like, no, because you're a blackie. And I was like, what? And he was like, blackie, blackie, nignog. And I was like, totally, totally shocked. And then a group of children moved away. These were children who had been my friends ever since I started the school and they didn't want to play with me. So I was so upset and I just didn't understand it. So I had a horrible day at school. <laughs> I came home and um, went and was speaking to my older brother and he came, he was actually born in Jamaica. And I was like, at school, they, they were calling me a blackie and they wouldn't allow me to play in the game. Wouldn't let me play. And uh, he, he was like, well, you're black. And I was like, what do you mean I'm black? <laughs> he was like, well, you're black. You're not white. And I was like, what the hell is this man on about? <laughs> you know, is he crazy? And he said, uh, we used to have um, wax crayons and they were called Crayola. I used to do a lot of colouring in. And he was like, go and get a piece of white paper, which I went and got. And he took out three crayons. He took out a brown one, a white one, and a pink one. And he said, okay, scribble the white on the white sheet of paper, which I did. And he goes, what colour is that? And I was like, white? He goes, okay. He says, now scribble the red one on the piece of paper, but very lightly. So I did that. And he said, what colour is that? And I said, oh, it's kind of pinkish because of the white underneath. And he went, okay. He says, now scribble the brown on the white piece of paper. So I did. And then he goes, now, which colour are you? And I looked and I was like, well, I'm back colour, the brown one. And he goes, yeah. He says, you're not the same as the friends at school. He says, which colour are they? And I was like, well, they're not white. They're kind of pinkish. And he was like, yeah. He said, so that's it. So that's why they were calling you a blackie and a nignog, you know, gollywog, you know, because you are not their colour. And that was the very, very first time that I really understood that I was very different with the colour of my skin. And obviously I knew because my brother and I, we were the only black children there. So I knew that I wasn't the same, but I'd never ever been shown difference. Well, I suppose you knew, but I suppose the to get that sort of not quite horrible feedback from your friends, I guess until then, it's not a problem. Because yeah, if we can all if we can all accept each other 
as we are inside then it's not a problem is it and and it it kind of breaks my heart when I hear you talk that story because you know especially as I work with children and eight nine years old is such a such a vulnerable age you know you're kind of you're crossing over you know into into worrying about what other people think about you and that can be a big have a big impact on your anxiety and confidence and you know and the rest of your life if if not Mm -hmm contained and dealt with so to hear you share that story is really kind of hurt it it hits my heart because it's like I mean how did you feel how did you feel after that chat with your brother I think I was just in total shock it was shock I wasn't angry Uh, I wasn't I guess I was upset but it was more the shock of knowing that there was a difference in me which made children not want to be my friends, you know, and that difference was a colour that I'd never even thought about, really hadn't. And I remember when we first moved into that area, my dad, we used to have a little park just about two minutes away from the house, and he used to encourage my brother and myself to go to the park and we never wanted to go, so he used to come with us. But I, there was always this, I know as kids when you move somewhere new, you're always scared and nervous and things like that, you haven't made friends. But I think looking back, there was this little bit of a, maybe coming back from when I saw that little white blonde haired girl who was like, what are they? Maybe that was somewhere way in the back. So I didn't want to go to the park on my own, just in case. I know that it sort of had an effect on me because to be three years old, going on four, and to remember that, you know, it definitely had an effect. Can I just say, Carmen, I've got to say this because I know people will be watching this, talking, you're talking about the 50s and where you look absolutely fabulous for your age. Thank you. As they say, <laughs> as they say, what is it? Black don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So can I cut in there and say, I had my grandson, he, he stayed over last night and he's like 16. And he was saying, oh, Nan, uh, we were watching TV. I'm sure we were watching TV. I'm sure I wasn't reading. And I could feel his eyes on me. And I turned around and I, I was like, what? What's your problem? And he was like, man, you look so good for your age, you know. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, no, I went to my friend's party and their parents were all younger than you. And they looked old, man. They looked old. <laughs> <laughs> well oh, yeah thank you, you do. no you do and um and uh, yeah like they say obviously I think uh the color our color helps with that but I think also a big big part of keeping ourselves looking young on the outside is how we feel about ourselves on the inside and during this podcast I do want to sort of touch on that as well not not yet but I do want to really because I think that's a big part of what we're what we're talking about and I think we've even kind of gone there a little bit with you know as children if if only it could just stay that way and we don't it never it doesn't become an issue 
Um, so yeah, so same as for me from a from a very um, from a very young age, and then for me, as you get older, I'm sure you can vouch for this as well. Um, children get get more cruel, really, don't they? Mm-hmm. I I found in in secondary school, high school, I found that really hard. Found it really hard leaving and going there. I I felt my self-esteem and my confidence just went I don't think it was very high anyway to be honest but it secondary school because it yeah kids are kids are horrible well for me it sort of started before secondary school and it wasn't really with the children it was with black adults uh my my youngest son he's what 32 and he was like, well, I think you're being racist now. And I was like, oh, please. He said, yes. He says, you're black and you should be proud of it. And I'm like, well, you know, under the umbrella, yeah, I'm black and I'm proud. I said, but the reality is I'm a brown, dark-skinned woman. And when I think about it, I know we may go into this later or bring it up later, but when we're looking at colorism with amongst our own people, you know, because you're my people, you're brown, yeah? Mm. I'm brown. I think when you, when the word, like, for instance, you say that you're black, yeah? Because you're under that umbrella. Mm. But for me, I'm like, me, I ain't black. I know what black is. You ain't black. Do you know what I mean? So it's easier for me personally. I'm not talking for the world out there because each person is different. If I can say, oh, well, you know, my friend Donna, and if Colin was to come up, oh, she's, you know, light brown. You know, she's a lighter brown than I am. I'm a darker brown, you know. But when you say black, it's like, I don't know, there's this picture of dark-skinned people Mm. as opposed to light-skinned people. You know, there is this difference, you know, and for me, it doesn't really fit very well under that umbrella. We're all black because, you know, I could more or less say that, well, you're white and you have the privilege of a white person. Do you know what I mean? So where really does the black come in? You, on the other hand, can say, well, you know, I'm black because, you know, I've experienced this from white people and I haven't had that privilege because they know that I'm mixed. However, for me, I'm, I'm like, well, yeah, but it's only a little bit compared to what I get. Mm-hmm. You know, you go further than I could go because of the lightness of your skin. You know, so that's why I sort of, I prefer to use the word brown, you know. And to be truthful, I really, really love the colour of my skin. I love my brown. You know, I look in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, that's a nice brown, you know. But I grew up with people not liking it, telling me how I was black and I was ugly. And I've had to work through that to really embrace the color of my skin and it's like now that I'm embracing the brownness of my skin you know it's like well 
And why do I want to use the word black? You know, not because I'm against black, but I love the brownness of my skin. I think it's beautiful. Wonderful that you can have that, that kind of, you know, you can look in the mirror now and go, I'm beautiful. I love the colour of my skin. And I wonder how many more people out there actually really do genuinely feel that about themselves. I think it is hard because as much as I, I think the reason why I can sort of accept the colour of my skin now is it is coming from within because I, I'm very much in love with me, you know, Carmen, you know, the person inside. Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, love, I feel as I'm getting all emotional there when you said that. I was like, I love you too. <laughs> yeah, carry on. Um, yeah. I know that I open my front door and I go outside and <clears throat> people don't love me and they don't love me because of the colour of my skin yeah however if they took the time to get to know me and when they do then I'm a wonderful person but that's because they've got to know me but you know the inner me you know so I think because I'm in love with my inner self it's allowing me to love the, the brown-skinned girl on the outside. So I've always loved the girl on the inside. Well, not always, that's a lie. But as time's gone by and I've been working on myself, you know, I've grown to love the inside Carmen. But the outside Carmen, because of the colour, I, I never really used to love. I hated it, mm. you know. My nickname at school was Black Blackberry. I hated it. Why did I have to be Blackberry? And all my friends were black. And that was the name they chose for me. It wasn't that I had all white friends when I got to my senior school. Well, what were they called? I can't even remember. But their names were much nicer. It wasn't even names that was uh, sort of um, connected to a colour. But my name was is that, connected. Is that because you were darker? Yeah, I was the darkest out of all of them. You know? And once again, it was like my colour, you know. You see, when you were telling me that story before, uh, I, I didn't realise that they were black friends. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. When I went to senior school, I didn't have... I, I'm quite fortunate in so much as I've always... Because I grew up as a young child in a white area... So I've never found it difficult to mix with white people. So, you know, I've always spoken to white children, white people. I'm very relaxed with that. But my friends were like my family. So my family were all black. So my friends, when I got to school, were all black. And that was the name they chose for me. Mm. And that did hurt. Mm. You know, I didn't like it and I didn't embrace it. What was really significant for me was when I, I, I left the village that I lived and grew up in quite an early age. I'd had enough Carmen. I was like, I cannot take this anymore. I mean, the, 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 the icing on the cake was I had a black boyfriend from the inner city and I was walking him to the bus stop in the village that I lived. And a guy behind me 
was going national front national front behind us <laughs> i'm laughing now but i wasn't laughing then i got my boyfriend on the bus and he looked at me and he went i don't want to leave you here he said i can't believe what you what you're dealing with here and then the, the bus doors closed and he went off and that's what I was dealing with, you know, and uh, yeah, I'd had enough. I was convinced that London would be the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Multicultured London. <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, there's going to be more people the same colour as me for a start. Mm. I'm not going to feel like, you know, the odd one out. I'm not going to stick out, surely. And the thing I want to talk about is I remember quite soon on being in London, sitting on the train on the tube, minding my own business. And two older black women on the other side to me were under their breath talking about me, but loud enough for me to be able to hear. They wanted me to hear what they were saying. It really hurt me. I had to get off the tube. And I remember standing and I just, and it wasn't my stop. I wasn't getting off. That's not where I was going. But I just couldn't believe what I'd just experienced. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't. And I wonder whether that standing on the platform, I don't know if I was crying. I was definitely crying inside. I don't know if I was physically crying outside. But inside, it was like, where, well, where do I, where do I belong then? But I do feel that that was the start of a very long journey of awakening to getting to know who I am on the outside. I was just wondering, because I never really asked you before, but um, so my parents are both Jamaicans. They yeah. were both Jamaicans. Um, and my extended family... Uh, Jamaican, well, not Jamaicans. Yeah, my extended family are Jamaicans and the people that I grew up around, my family friends, um, they were black people. Uh, so even though I was expect, um, receiving this colour issue from them, I was still, my mum and dad were still the same colour as me, you know? I still got my comfort from them as black people. What was it like for you? You know, because your I, mum and dad were both white. Yeah, I remember. I remember I got really, I had a really bad time. And, and, uh, and, and my friend Jill, who I've, she lived three doors away from me from when we were two, I was two years old. And she's still a really good friend today. And she, um, she felt helpless in this. I'll never forget it. But I, I was really badly badly teased one night I remember having chips thrown at me it was across the road from the fish and chip shop and they were throwing these chips at me and, and calling me names and and I remember I remember just running home and I oh, and my friend Jill was running after me going Tana, Tana. <laughs> but I, <laughs> uh, she, bless her I love her to bits and uh, and and I remember going home and just sobbing to my mum and dad I don't want to be here I don't like it and my mum said the best thing she could have ever said really she says Donna I know I will never know how you truly feel but I love you and I'm so sorry that this is happening and I'll never forget that because 
it's true. She could never, ever really understand what I was going through because she'd never experienced that. And, um, and I really love and respect my mum for that because I remember it. And I know that it was like just sort of empathising with me was what I needed. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was tough. And that's why I used to, I touched on this in the last podcast, I used to daydream a lot. I used to daydream and I used to wish, please, you know, can I, can I have, I mean, my mum and dad fostered children. So I used to beg my mum, can you foster more children, please? The same, well, a child, just one, the same colour as me, please. So- when we were fostering uh, I got into fostering because they were looking for um, family of um, mixed parentage so with me being black and being white and I thought that I was going to have predominantly black children or children of mixed parentage because that's what they were advertising for but throughout the time that I was fostering I had predominantly white children, which really used to, really used to frustrate me because I used to think not that I didn't want any child, you know, I welcome, but I'm thinking, well, where, where are the black children going? Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm having white children, where are the black children going? You know, and I, for, for me, for a white person, a white child to be in a black home. I don't really see that as much of an issue because the society is white. Everything around them is white. Mm-hmm. TV is white. You know, the shop assistants are white. You know, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a black child, uh, I, I've always felt that as much as possible, they should go into a black home because there's less black yeah black it makes it makes it makes it makes no sense yeah what you've, you know what, what what that you were there yeah with the home so significantly black and white and you and i both know that there were children out there yeah there's so many so what what but they gave me were they doing? predominantly Really, I had white children or Asian children. I think that makes no sense. Maybe I had around five black children that I can remember, you know. But it's really weird as well because I remember when I first went to um, Jamaica, I was about 24. (laughs) So, and uh, I got off, I was really excited. I'm going to my mum and dad's country. All the stories that they told me, so excited. I got off the aeroplane, got into the airport and almost died because everybody was black. (laughs) Everyone was black. And um, then when we got into the city, uh, it was like black shop assistants. You turned on the TV, there were black people on TV. I was like, wow I've never seen anything like it was it like a different world almost it, you know? honestly, <laughs> it really really was I I just couldn't believe that there were so many black people and I was shocked that black people had positions you know of power or you know they were bank managers and they owned their own shops and 
little things like that because you don't see that in Britain. Mm. You know what I mean? So, and I was 24 at the time, so I was totally, totally shocked. I think that I'm going off a bit, but there we went into a, a supermarket and there was this Chinese, um, uh, the owner of the shop, the supermarket was Chinese. And um, he, it was a woman and she'd called, I don't know if it was her husband or somebody, and I don't even want to try and do the patois because even oh, though I'm on. not brown, <laughs> I can't do the patois. <laughs> but she was like, Mr. Chin, where are you? And I'm like, huh? You know? And then she came out into this uh, patois lingo. And I was like, oh my God, she can speak patois and I can't. <laughs> So the hospital, um, because one of my cousins had had a baby and there was a white doctor there and he was speaking Patois. And I was like, what is going on here? Uh, you know, that was lovely. That was really, really nice. Um, it is nice. I think it's nice to be around um, lots of black people because I don't really get that in England. And the majority, I wouldn't say the majority, no, the majority of my friends uh, are black. However, I do have white friends. I grew up in this country, so, you know, I have white friends. I went to an almost white school as I was growing up. And so, I mean, it's make sure, it's like, I just want to just popped into my head this question, like, how does it feel when people say, go back home? Um, do you know? I used to get that a lot when so I was your, a kid. Your coloured bee was more on racism because you got it from white people, whereas my coloured thing was more of a coloured thing because I got it from black people. I very rarely, apart from those two incidents, and there's another incident, like well, two more incidents that I can remember which were from white people, I never really experienced any colour issues from white people. I, 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 I didn't. Nobody, if a white person looked at me, they would always be commenting about how beautiful my colour was. You know, oh, you've got beautiful skin or, oh, your colour is so lovely. Oh, I'd love to have your colour. And I'd be thinking, yeah, really. You know? <laughs> so from the white side, it was always very positive about my colour. Apart from when the, you were young, yeah. the, the, what you talked yeah. about. Yeah, you know, but from the black side, it was always negative. I was black. I was ugly. Look at your broad nose, you know, nigger hair. Well, we are who we are and we need to just love ourselves um, and embrace who we are on the outside and love ourselves on the inside. It seems for me, I, I'm quite a um, positive thinking person, but we all have our pessimist side and it would be great if people could do that, you know, just warm to it. And I think it is really an important thing. And I think maybe one of the reasons why um, I don't 
I do have issues. I haven't got over a lot of my issues. I do have issues with the world outside and the way people view me, <clears throat> you know. Uh, but I think it's so difficult for people to love, you know. Do they understand what love is, mm. you know? Maybe well, that's the thing, yeah. Maybe you they know. don't. I mean, that's why. That's why it's so oh, something like this. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I love that we are coming to an end talking about love. Yeah. Uh, we did an angel reading. We did it together. Mm -hmm. Didn't we? We so did. They were there. They were here. They were here because we were. You know, we knew what we were here for. So mm -hmm. the angels know exactly what we're what we were asking. I very, very um, rarely get the Archangels. And we got Archangel Michael, Archangel Uriel. And then we were looking them up, um, what they all meant. And just get my book. Oh, oh, and we got um, Archangel, um, uh, uh, sorry, the Angel of Mercy. And I've just looked at my phone and it's 1331. So that's another... <laughs> little angel <laughs> significance there <laughs> some people might watch this and think oh i love i love i love all that what donna's doing but i wish it stopped going on about the angels it's like i'm sorry <laughs> but the angels are a big part <laughs> they've been been a big support for me um but uriel helps us to find our inner light and to become as radiant as the sun when we express the fullness of the love and beauty within ourselves mm. so true yeah that's wonderful yeah and michael you you get michael quite a lot yeah it means a lot yeah. to you yeah uh, well kind of you know i wish his name was something more exotic but <laughs> i make do with michael that's what the name is so but yeah i do well, get michael <laughs> michael <laughs> Peak, uh, well, this is great. I mean, the gifts for Earth from this is a little description of Archangel Michael. He can help us to stand strong in the face of adversity, resolve our personal negativities, find strength when we are alone or feeling like outsiders. I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah, and I was there when you plucked them out. That's so significant. Yeah, so just so people know, I'm not just like pulling them out yeah. there. Oh, that would sound good on this. <laughs> I you struggle. Um, and then we got the Angel of Mercy as well, which, you know, that's significant. But then the overall card, which I do like to do an overall card, which is usually once I've kind of given the cards, I'll always turn the cards over. And the card that's at the bottom, I find, is like an overall of the overall reading. Mm -hmm. And um, I got this last time. Freedom. 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 Wonderful. It'll be so, so wonderful to be free of all of this negativity, all of this racism, colorism, just to be who we are, you know, true freedom. Yeah. Um, is there anything, obviously we've talked about skin colour, that's been like the, the main thing. Is there anything that you want to um, share before we finish this this recording? Anything that you you think we might have missed? Uh, I can't really, there's so much. So, you know, 
nothing really that we've missed because it's such a, a broad subject, you know. But for people who are out there, um, for people of colour who are out there and are struggling, I think knowing that you can work on yourself, taking the time to work on yourself in whatever way. I mean, you you do meditation and you do mindfulness. I don't really do those things. But then I know other people who do yoga, you know, so it's about finding a way to work on yourself. Can I just say that? Sorry, Carmen. Do you think, obviously, four years ago when I met you, you, we were practicing becoming professional speakers, sharing our stories. I mean, the amount of we, we've still got really good friendships with a lot of people in that group because yeah. we shared our stories. Do you think that helped you sharing a little about yourself and standing up and sharing that? Because I just felt then that some of these, you know, if we could sort of, I've always said to like younger people, especially like domestic violence. Um, uh, victims and stuff like one thing that's really really healing and helpful for yourself and for others is sh- sharing your story actually getting it out there do you think I, I think the sharing definitely that is what opened me up tremendously I, I started by going to university and I, I was they used to call me the mouse I didn't have a voice you know, I was so shy, so scared. I used to sit in the corner. I didn't want to join in. I was so nervous. So the journey started there because I had to do a little bit of sharing whatever it was I was studying. But definitely when I got to speak up, it was fantastic. It was, it gave me power. I had a voice. I could stand up in front of a crowd of people. And as you know, it was always about, you know, some experience that I've had in my life. And being, it's like a release, you know, it's a releasing and, you know, it's come out and that's one less thing that you're having to deal with and you feel good about yourself for saying it. And to yeah. have, you know, everybody is a big part of speaking training is you, you, you know, you, you supporting everybody up there. So, you know, you're getting that round of applause, you're getting praise for it. So yeah. the first part of it is acknowledging what you're going to say, being aware of it. Okay, I'm going to talk about this. Therefore, I'm acknowledging it. Yeah. I'm now getting it out. And like you say, that is empowering just so that it's like a process, isn't it? It's like a real yeah. It's a real healing process. Yeah. And the thing is, you don't even know it's, well, I didn't know it was happening. You know, it's only now looking back and seeing where I was and seeing where I am today. And, you know, you know that even though I get really sort of shy, um, I love talking. I just love it. You know, I, I love putting some information out there. I have a cousin, you've met her, she's a reverend, and she used to say to me, I don't, I can't remember the name of this American guy, but there's this American activist, and she used to say, oh, I can just see you up there with this American activist, and I used to think, don't be ridiculous, and then years later, I'm on the stage talking to a hundred and odd people, 
and it's like yeah it's just wonderful so I think you know if people can think about you know working on themselves you know finding something that they can work on it doesn't matter how small it is you know when I went to speak up all I wanted to do was to be able to say hello to somebody at the bus stop and have a conversation because people would always come up to me at the bus stop and talk and I used to shake and I used to say please God let them go away let them go away I don't know what to say I don't know what to say and when I went to speak up that's all I wanted to do just to be able to have a conversation at the bus stop now you can't shut me up (laughs) (laughs) I'm the person at the bus stop wow hello how are you well what is it what is going and you even you said to me the other day you no no a while ago actually you actually it's it's you've gone from that to what was it you were walking down the street and a girl walked by and you went oh you've got such lovely titties yeah (laughs) and I just think you can't get more confident than that just like yeah you you know (laughs) embrace it and just like yeah you, you see a woman and she's got She's got some good boobies, you know, tell her. Yeah. And then that's how you've gone. You've gone from shaking at the bus stop, like, don't talk to me, to, like, (laughs) telling someone how wonderful their boobs look. I love it. Because I know it's really important, you know. As women, we we appreciate that coming from another woman as opposed to it coming from a man. I love that. So, you know, when I see a really nice-looking woman, her clothes, her hair, her figure, whatever it is, I do. I want them to know. You know, and I'm really, really glad that I'm confident enough to say that and not worry about them going, pow, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> and, and, I, and I guess it's, it's how you say it and how it genuinely comes across, which, you know, you are. And I think people will pick that up straight away. You're, you're so genuine. And, yeah, and because honest. sometimes you get little conversations from it as well. You know, they'll go, really? And I'll go, yeah, you know, hasn't your man told you? <laughs> Well, I was talking with Kathy in the last podcast about that, about, you know, owning it, accepting compliments, taking it, stop throwing it away, just take it and go, oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, because deep down you might have like wore that top because you think they look pretty damn good. And, you know, so to have that acknowledgement is like, yeah, Mm. thank you. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, go out there and, you know, do little bits of work on yourself love yourself you know kiss the mirror I used to always do that actually I think I'll do that after we get off this podcast yeah kiss the mirror kiss myself but I haven't got any husband now to kiss me <laughs> I love oh, how this has come back to like what we were talking about in the last one that's amazing like mirror work brilliant yeah yeah do you do that then do you do do you do mirror yeah I do work? Yeah, I do. I kiss the mirror. I get my grandchildren to do it. You know, stand in front of the mirror. Tell yourself that you're great. Tell yourself how beautiful or handsome you are. And, you know, do it and feel it. And man, do it, I said. (laughs) (laughs) My granddaughter doesn't have a problem with that now. You know, she absolutely, actually, none of my grandchildren do. They just love themselves. And so do my sons, which I'm really pleased about because... When I was growing up, I didn't love myself, you know. And you have got such a fabulous um, relationship with your boys and your and your grandchildren. And I've I've spoken to I've met a couple of your boys now, and you can just tell that it's it's it. 
you, you've done that. You've done that. I love you, Carmen. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to go now. And uh, thank you very much. No doubt you'll join me again. Uh, would you join me again at some time? Some point? Sure, if people, yeah, if you'd like me to come and talk about the rubbish. <laughs> no, <laughs> not of rubbish. course, I would, I, would, I would love to. Yeah. yeah, if you invite me again, I, I, I definitely would. And if people like what they hear, that would be nice as well. Okay. So, yeah. Lovely. And if there's any any mature men out there, <laughs> yeah. I'm single. I'm free. You know, and you're, and let you're me beautiful. Know. And you're beautiful. <laughs> I'm beautiful. You really are. Your beauty has your beauty on the outside and the inside has definitely radiated out. So um, you just I don't know that might actually come to something there you just put yourself out there babe no, i'm only kidding I'm no you're not don't take it back no you're not i know you're not oh carmen love you love you, Thank you. okay okay bye so there you go carmen craig and i exploring my skin color and i I hope you enjoyed that and most importantly i hope you got something out of it and if you think of anyone out there that you think might get something out of it please do share it with them i'm open to to really just opening this up even more with other people's truths other people's stories you know, it's really important as carmen said and it's a real it's a real big healing process as well so please do get in touch with me if uh, some sharing your story along these lines of what we've talked about today with skin color please do share because you just don't know who that could make all the difference to so that's it for this week oh by the way in order for you to get in touch with me just email searching for truth dj searching for truth or letters dj at gmail.com that's all from me to you have a lovely weekend a lovely week and i'll be back soon with my next podcast